Hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 249 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing where we are at globally with regard to curbing emissions. There are two opposing views of the future. On the one hand, there is the future that is predicted by climate scientists. Extreme weather, toxic air, entire nations underwater, conflicts over food, water, and other resources necessary to survive. But on the other hand, there is a rosier picture. It's currently touted here in America by President Joe Biden and other Democratic lawmakers. In this rosier picture, there are electric vehicles, charging stations everywhere, clean energy, new industries, and of course, more and better jobs. The Pew Research Center confidently and consistently finds that American media covers politics and economics and lifestyle, particularly celebrity lifestyle, and crime as well, significantly more than the media covers environmental issues. So on today's show, we're exploring that space where politics and climate change intersect, because to be frank, you may not have heard much about what's going on in terms of climate legislation, because the media is not covering it. My goal today is to give you a lowdown of what's happening here in America, but also around the world with regard to climate legislation. So I have a three-part show for you today. In part one, we're discussing what's happening in America. We're discussing the Build Back Better framework, what's in it, why it's important, where we're at. Spoiler alert, it's in the Senate and it's just sitting there. In part two, we are taking a wider lens and we are looking at what other countries are doing, or should I say not doing, to curb emissions. And then finally, in part three, I'm bringing to light some of the lesser known ways in which the effects of climate change are rearing their ugly heads. I'm going to discuss what's not getting media coverage. I want to arm you today with cold hard facts, not opinions, so that you can make some decisions confidently moving forward. We're going to get into part one of today's show after a quick word from today's first sponsor, When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. And we are back. We are moving into part one of today's conversation, which is, of course, what on earth is happening here at home in America? President Joe Biden's signature piece of legislation is called the Build Back Better Framework. It is a monstrosity of legislation 
with ambitious goals, not just climate goals. There's an awful lot in it, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But Build Back Better passed in the House in late 2021. So now it is currently sitting in the Senate where it is stalled. The White House argues that the Build Back Better framework will, and I quote, put the U.S. on course to meet its climate goals while also creating millions of good-paying jobs and growing our economy from the bottom up and the middle out, end quote. Sounds pretty lofty, doesn't it? Sounds pretty good. As I alluded to earlier, there are plenty of non-climate proposals in the framework. So let's talk quickly about those. We're going to really just gloss over them because for the purpose of today's conversation, we're talking about climate. So the non-climate proposals in the bill include universal and free preschool for all three and four-year-olds, a reduction of prescription drug costs, investments in immigration reform. I could go on and on. Again, there's a lot in this bill. (laughs) And then with regard to curbing emissions, there's even more. Now, I should say, I must say, that climate scientists tend to argue that there is no executive action, there's no legislative bill that's going to fix our climate problems. I need to say that. But Build Back Better will certainly help. So what's in the bill with regard to climate? The bill essentially offers incentives for industries and utilities and individuals to shift from burning oil and gas and coal for energy and instead switch over to using wind, solar, nuclear, and other forms of energy that do not emit carbon dioxide. So more specifically, the bill lays out subsidies for consumers buying electric vehicles up to $12,500. If you want to buy an electric vehicle, the government will give you up to $12,500 back for it. Tax credits are in the bill that will make it cheaper to build solar, wind, nuclear, and other low-carbon energy sources. So theoretically, if you wanted to install solar panels or a geothermal pump or even a small wind turbine on your property, the government would theoretically, under Build Back Better, cover up to 30% of the total cost of that. Sounds great, right? The bill also covers improved infrastructure so that there's charging stations for your electric car as you go on a road trip, and improved electrical grids to support more solar and wind power. Some other cool parts with regard to climate and Build Back Better is research financing in the amount of billions of dollars to hopefully capture the existing carbon that's already in the air. The bill offers financial support for forest management and climate-friendly farming. And finally, the bill puts money aside to make existing buildings, so buildings that are already built, more energy efficient. Sounds pretty good, right? Sounds really good. Now let's talk money. The entire bill, the social programs, the climate initiatives, all in all, is very expensive. It is a $1.75 trillion bill. Holy moly. (laughs) Seems like monopoly money, right? When we're talking about that much money. And just the climate initiatives in Build Back Better, so just the climate initiatives that I laid out, they have a price tag of $555 billion over 10 years. This makes this bill more than six times the previous largest federal investment on climate. 
Now, President Biden says he has it all funded and paid for. It will be funded from a corresponding increase in taxes paid by corporations and by wealthy individuals. Wealthy is defined as people who earn $10 million or more per year. I alluded to the fact that this bill is stalled. Let's talk about that. Voters across the political spectrum, so Democrats, Republicans, everybody in between, strongly support tax credits and rebates for consumers with regard to installing energy-efficient heating and cooling, solar panels, electric vehicles, etc. People support tax credits for these initiatives. However, Build Back Better is currently stalled in the Senate, and that's because of disagreement over its social spending proposals. Now, when we're talking about a stalled bill in the Senate, we can't move along without mentioning West Virginia Senator, West Virginia Democratic Senator, you guessed it, Joe Manchin. The Democrats need Joe Manchin's vote in order to pass Build Back Better, but Joe Manchin has issues with the price tag of the entire framework. And so the whole bill is stalled in the Senate, but the climate provisions are especially just sitting there as the clock continues to tick. The question currently in the Senate is, do the Democrats split the bill up and push forward with the climate provisions and abandon all the social provisions? Or do they keep it as one gigantic $1.75 trillion bill? That's the question. I should say here, too, that while Joe Manchin has expressed interest in voting for just a climate bill, the New York Times did ask each of the 50 Senate Republicans if they would support just the climate provisions in Build Back Better. All of them, all 50 Republican senators said they would not. Okay, so that's part one of today's conversation. Part two is opening it up to the rest of you. I know I have a significant contingent of listeners in other countries. Hello, I see you. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And so just in case you are an international listener who's been listening to this episode for 13 minutes and you're thinking to yourself, oh, wait a minute, Stephanie, this conversation doesn't apply to me. I say, hold your horses, my friends. Under the 2015 Paris Agreement, countries have the power to set their own national goals to curb global warming. Each country can do something a little bit differently. Canada and Japan, I have a lot of Canadians who listen. Hey, my neighbors to the north. Canada and Japan. Canada and Japan did set stricter emissions targets through 2030, but neither country has, as of yet, put in place any energy policies to achieve those goals. China, which, by the way, is the world's largest consumer of fossil fuels, does have plans to get 25% of its energy from clean sources like wind, solar, and nuclear, but they haven't changed their goals to match their increase of fossil fuel consumption. The European Union, my friends in the EU, ahead of the Glasgow summit, new promises were made to cut emissions by 2030. But despite the Green Deal, independent trackers rate the EU's policies as insufficient. India. India announced goals for increasing the use of cleaner energy and slowing its trajectory towards increasing fossil fuel use. But Indian officials argue that it's a poor country and they need assistance from wealthier countries to do better, to accelerate its efforts. 
Brazil and Indonesia, I grouped these two countries together because they are known for the mass clearing, the mass raising of forests. So I grouped them together. Brazil and Indonesia have recently submitted climate proposals, but independent research centers again rate these proposals as insufficient. So there is an amazing resource, an amazing independent resource on the web. It's called the Climate Action Tracker. It is an independent scientific analysis produced by two research organizations started in 2009 to track climate action. If you go to their website, climateactiontracker.com, I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's a map of the world and you can click on your country and you can see how you're doing (laughs) in terms of curbing emissions or how you're not doing, I should say. The Climate Action Tracker rates progress on a five-point scale. On one hand, there is meeting goals. Then there's almost sufficient, insufficient, highly insufficient, and critically insufficient. So I should say that there is no country according to climateactiontracker.com, that is meeting the goals set in the Paris Climate Agreement, which is, of course, to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. So if no country has policies to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, according to the Paris Agreement, who is then almost sufficient? Almost sufficient countries include Morocco, Ethiopia, and Nigeria. They are rated by this independent tracker as almost sufficient. That's it. Next up is insufficient. What countries have policies that are deemed insufficient? The United States, the European Union, Peru, Japan, insufficient. Let's move on down a little further. Which countries are highly insufficient? China, Australia. Hi, Australia. I know I have a lot of listeners in Australia. I'm sorry, but your policies are highly insufficient. Same with you, New Zealand. Highly insufficient policies. Brazil, Argentina, India, Saudi Arabia. Those are just some of the countries. I would say the majority of countries with policies in place are considered highly insufficient. It's a bad category to be in. And then finally, the worst of the worst is the critically insufficient countries. According to climateactiontracker.com, the Russian Federation is critically insufficient, so is Iran, and so is Turkey. So that's part two of today's conversation. You're probably feeling pretty bummed out. We're going to ride the bummed out wave, and we're going to move into part three of today's conversation, which is those lesser known ways that climate change is rearing its ugly head. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love 
Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. We are back. We are on to part three of today's fairly depressing conversation, I would say. In the United States, like everything these days, voters tend to fall into one of two camps. There's really no middle ground anymore. We talk about the political spectrum, but it seems to be becoming more and more polarized. In one camp, there are those amongst us who believe we are at a make or break moment in the climate crisis right? The best time to do something was yesterday. But the second best time to act is right freaking now. Right now. The people in these camp believe we're failing. They're frustrated that this big bill is just stalled in the Senate, collecting dust. All the way on the other side, in the other camp, there are those amongst us who believe that there's no need for alarm, that Democrats are being needlessly alarmist, and that doom and gloom is not at all around the next corner. It doesn't matter what camp you are in, regardless of where you fall, I wanted to close out today's program with some cold, hard facts. Climate change is affecting every corner of our planet. We've all heard something about bushfires in Australia, wildfires in the United States West. We've heard about rising temperatures. We've heard about melting glaciers. We've heard about increased frequency of severe storms. We've heard about all of that. So I thought it would be beneficial if instead of rehashing what we already know, I'd leave you today with some other lesser known ways in which the effects of a warming planet are manifesting themselves. And now I should say here too, as a side note from my soapbox, but I should say that it's easy to say this is happening over there or this doesn't bother me because it doesn't affect me. I personally in my own life have said this to myself many times when I've heard unpleasant news that's happening somewhere else in the world. But I've realized for me personally that when I say, ah, oh, that doesn't affect me, I don't need to care about that. When I say that, It's a defense mechanism. It's my brain trying to course correct. So if as I read this little list that I have for you today, if as I'm reading, your brain starts to say, eh, that's happening over in Morocco. How does that affect me? Or eh, who cares about Pakistan? Or whatever the country, whatever the situation may be. If your brain starts to course correct, I invite you to 
bring your brain back and intentionally and purposely sit in that discomfort because the reality is climate change is a shared universal experience. Every living thing on this planet, whether you are black, brown, purple, yellow, tree, (laughs) living underwater, living in the sky, regardless of who or what you are, climate change and its effects is a shared universal experience. All right, so here we go. In Southern Africa, particularly in Botswana, the oldest baobab trees, some of them over 2,000 years old, are just suddenly dying. Researchers, of course, blame climate change. In Morocco, two-thirds of the oases have disappeared in the last century. In Amsterdam, ice skating on the canals has long been a favorite winter activity. But in the past decade, in the past 10 years, Amsterdam's canals have only frozen three times. And when the ice has frozen in those three times, it's quite thin and perhaps dangerous to skate on. Last June in Pakistan, in Jacobabad to be exact, the temperature was over 126 degrees Fahrenheit with humidity. That's really hot. As a reminder, that temperature can cause organ failure or even death within just a few hours. In Greenland, ice loss has accelerated by a factor of five in the last 30 years, and citizens say that the whistling and the creaking of melting ice, as well as the booms of caving glaciers, those sounds are now commonplace. In Mexico, Mexico City continues to sink. In Germany, after droughts in 2018 and 2019, spruce trees died out across the country. In Switzerland, this one is for my fellow skiers, in Switzerland, the Swiss Alps are literally crumbling. Ice holds these mountains together, and the ice is melting, which means that the frequency of rockfalls and landslides has increased. Scientists say rockfalls and landslides are set to continue increasing in frequency. And finally, in Armenia, I wanted to put this in for any of my fellow Armenians listening. Armenia is a landlocked country, but it has this beautiful, amazing, phenomenal, gorgeous lake called Lake Sevan. Well, thanks to record high temperatures and a bad drought this past summer, lawmakers in Armenia proposed lifting the cap on the amount of water that can be taken from beloved Lake Sevan to be used for irrigation. So the final word here today, what can you do if your climate anxiety, your eco-anxiety is out of control like mine is right this second? You need to call your elected officials. You can call, you can write, you can email, you can do any of those things. I've linked how to find out who your senators are if you aren't quite sure and how to contact them. That is in the show notes. Urging them to vote for Build Back Better, urging them to separate the climate provisions from the rest of the framework. Your choice. But I think, I believe that the majority of us are really bad about contacting our elected officials and telling them what we want, how we want them to vote. And if you live in West Virginia right now and you are listening to me, you definitely need to call your Senator Joe Manchin many a time. You need to get all your friends and family members who also live in West Virginia to do the same. Highly critical. 
I should say here too that a couple of weeks back, we did the episode on deleting old emails. We did a bit of a challenge in our closed Facebook group. All 10,000 listeners of you, all 10,000 of you, you might not have done it, but an awful lot of you did. An awful lot of you wrote to me, participated in the Facebook group, told me you were doing it. Some of you wrote to me many times as you deleted more than a thousand emails. You really took the challenge and ran with it. So that tells me that all of you collectively are a group that wants to and can act. So your action step today is to call your elected official and voice your concerns. Full stop. Next week, I am going on vacation with my children and my husband. We're going on vacation. So I am gone all week. No episodes next week, but I will be back the following week for our regularly scheduled two-episode-a-week schedule. I will see you then. Reach out to me. Email me. Find me on social. Send me a DM. I love hearing from all of you, and I will respond. I will see you in a week and a half. Take care.